to Cinebabble episode 62. I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Clint. Clint, the man of many adventures and talents, how are you this week, sir? Oh, I'm great, Ken. This is the biggest adventure of my week so far. Isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's always just right down into the mines of Moria and Yeah. All I don't kinds know of what that fun. says about my other adventures. I I, it almost makes them not adventures. I don't know. Are you still enjoying Rings of Power? Oh, yes. <sighs> Good. Are I'm you, really. If you watched up through this last Friday's mm-hmm. episode? Yeah. Awesome. That's yeah. one where I'm like, it's when it gets uploaded, I'm on it. Yeah. to watch it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm consistently looking forward to Me it now, too. which is yeah. really exciting because I was nervous. I didn't know, you know, I just couldn't tell from the trailers. The trailers That's, felt very sloppy. Yeah. And like there was too much happening. Yeah. And now that I see the show, I totally get how near impossible it would be to create a trailer. For sure. That would show all of this. And so it makes it makes more sense in retrospect. Now, have you been keeping up on House of the Dragon too? I have, yeah. Okay. Now... <laughs> Any improvement there? Because I'm loving House of the Dragon. I'm not loving it. Okay, Especially after I watch um, the Lord of the Rings show. Yeah. I'm just so bored oh, by man. it. Yeah, I really am. Like it's all the stuff I didn't like about yeah. Lord of the uh, about the uh, the um, Game, of uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, just like you've even forgotten the yeah. title. Just the, the, the other thing. Game of Thrones, yeah. where it's just political intrigue, but yeah. then just incest, and it's just like. <laughs> It's the most boring stuff from the show. Yeah, I'm. It's I'm all so it. sorry. <laughs> uh, this is this is not not to play on the obvious pun from both shows, but this is total fire and ice for me, and I love it. I yeah. love the. Uh, I'm just enjoying both of them uh, to opposite extremes yeah. for completely different reasons, but um, I just it's connecting me to to all ends of the fantasy genre. I'm really glad that both are showing at the same time. I I wouldn't even call that. Fantasy at this point. Oh, blasphemy. It's not. Dragons, it's... Clint. <laughs> dragons. <laughs> incest with a side of dragons. Dragons, Clint. It... Ignore the incest. It's dragons. Okay, dragons. Not every, a lot of incest in this last episode. Every people three getting... episodes, like two seconds of a dragon flies in. Yeah. Well, I hear you, but people are getting <laughs> way outside of their their own family this last episode. But uh, okay. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. I'm glad you still like Rings of Power. I'm not expecting you to come around on... Uh, I'm still watching it, yeah. though. We but should. I did, I did that with Game of Thrones, too. Yeah. yeah. And you were just constantly lukewarm about Game of Thrones. Yeah. So I'm not expecting some revelation or epiphany here. Yeah. So other than Rings of Power... Uh, which you're enjoying, and House of the Dragon, which you are not. Uh, what else you've been watching? I'm mildly adjo- oh, I'm, enjoying it. I'm sorry, like, yeah. but we got a segment. But compared what to you, Clint, Clint, I'm not letting it happen. We yet. got a system here, and I need the title so we can get to the song. What do you got to say? Just it go ahead, matter. get out it of your system. Matter. What you've been watching, about, Clint? Okay, I'm going to dive right in. I got a couple. I got four things here I want to talk Good, about. Good, glad you're are, back are on gonna, track. Are we going to do switch swatch? Yeah, switch, I, do, I, I do enjoy that. Okay. Um, so the first thing that I watched was actually something me and my wife went through um, maybe a, two weeks ago. And this is a new series on Amazon called A League of Their Own. Ah, it's uh, based on the... I mean, obviously the true story, but then the the old uh, Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, and I think it was a book too. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, this has got Abby Jacobson from Broad City and uh, uh, DRC Garden from The Good Place and Barry. Um, really funny mm-hmm. gals. Um, gals? Gals. Ladies. Send emails women. to Clint Jones. <laughs> Go ahead. Women. 
females. Females. Women. Go on. You make it so clinical. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) It's like Mad Men season four in here. I mean no disrespect. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, so yeah, this is a new series. And um, I, me, me and my wife really enjoyed it. It does some really interesting things. It, well, for one, it's really funny. It um, with Jaggy, uh, Abby Jacobson's like brings her sensibility to it a mm-hmm. little bit. If you're familiar from um, Broad City, has a slight feel of that. Just maybe just because of how or her, um, just her character in general. Um, but it really dives into kind of the like the sexuality of the characters, like in their their relationships, their their romances. That like the I mean, the movie doesn't dive into it at all, and um, and which is very true to what was actually happening on the team. And they do this really. I I can't think of another thing that's done this or done it so well. But there's a character. That is this whole side story to the show where there was this black woman who tries out for the team and because she's black cannot get on the team and they would not allow her to. And it's her like whole side story of how like she desperately wants to play baseball. And it's about her trying to get on this team for this company. Hmm. And so she's trying to get a job at the company and then she's just going through the, the like trying to get on the team once mm-hmm. she gets there. And she's also dealing with her like family and her, her sexuality. And, um, and it's, it's just really well done in having this divergent story of like showing this black person's perspective during this time period set around world war two. Um, but I thought it was great. It's really sweet, um, has, and it's really funny and really dives into a lot of different political things and, uh, that we're still dealing with. I gotta say, Clint, I was not anticipating ever (laughs) <laughs> on this podcast to hear uh, you recommend a period baseball dramedy. And here we are. Uh, you've grown as a person, Clint, not into the MCU, but into period baseball dramedies. And I believe you because you're usually yeah. dead on with with TV recommendations. It's just funny because I've passed this on Amazon several times and each time just like, nope. Well, there's the people attached to it really, um, Nick Offerman's in mm. it for a short period of time. Okay. And just the people attached to it made me really interested. And I do, I really like um, these period piece thing, like shows, especially around this time period, like set in the mm. 40s and the 30s. And then... I don't know. It, it just seemed like a good time, and I, I recommend it. Okay. Uh, my first two, actually, I'm going to kind of pair together because in a, in a lot of ways, they're they're almost the same movie, even though they're very <laughs> different. Uh, it's The Invitation, which was, I guess, recently in theaters and just popped up on Amazon, mm-hmm. and then House of Darkness, which was also in theaters, but a, a much smaller, uh, limited release. Uh, they're both adaptations of the Dracula story story. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't think that's a spoiler. It's definitely obvious, obvious in House of Darkness, not as obvious in The Invitation, but they both uh, in very modern fashion focus much more on the Brides of Dracula than Dracula himself. Uh, House of Darkness, I would definitely recommend either skipping or just getting to the last half hour. Uh-huh. It really doesn't get interesting to the last half hour. Guy, Justin Long, playing a jerk as always, brings home, uh, or excuse me, takes home a girl to her castle in the woods 
and she lures him inside. And of course, something's up. She's toying with him the whole time. Mm -hmm. But this movie might as well have been called Justin Long Stammers (laughs) because (laughs) he just stammers for about an hour. Mm -hmm. And then at the tail end of this, there's, there's about a half an hour of actual decent movie that has something to say. Yeah. So it's it's not bad, mm-hmm. but it is also not good. <laughs> the invitation though is yeah. pure uh horror genre schlock. Mm. It's it's the kind of movie that you would have not you specifically, but people Me. people love when they're young and they don't really have a lot of experience with horror. Uh-huh. And this is just sort of a very polished and uh prestige presentation of uh, what's otherwise a series of tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's all right. It's got uh, what's her name from Game of Thrones that played Missandry uh, or Missand, Missand something. I don't know. She served Daenerys. Okay. Anywho, mm-hmm. uh, she gets in over her head and thinks she's uh, found a new family. And surprise, one of them's a vampire. Shocker. Uh, it's It's got some good ideas to it. But just like House of Darkness, uh, there, there's there's better ideas at the core of these adaptations mm-hmm. than there is actual execution. And both of them left me just feeling really cold and oh. really wanting like a legit vampire flick. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the invitation in House of Darkness. Uh, you know, take them, leave them. Don't pay too much for them. Clint, what else? Um, my other uh, three things are actually slight, not related, but they're, I'm not going to say them all together, but okay. they're all in this like, genre of like these indie films that are made for a lower budget, but okay. like have a lot of charm. Um, the first one is called Funny Pages. And um, I've seen I, a trailer for this. I think I recommended it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Directed by Owen Klein. Um, and it's about this um, hes in, his, in this kid who's in high school who really desperately wants to be a comic artist. And he is a really good artist. And he decides to drop out of hi- high school and uh, to his uh, parents, like, um, horror and and that he moves into he finds this apartment and he just like it's the most awful like hellhole of an apartment and he moves in and it's just about him trying to be a comic comic artist and he meets this guy who worked for image comics Mm -hmm. but like he was just a colorist like really didn't do anything and he's trying he can't get this across to this kid because he's so enthusiastic and he he's trying to get um this guy to teach him, like give him tips and help him get into the industry. Now, I was wondering, based on the trailer, is this in any way based on a true story? Is this kind of autobiographical? Not, or... not that I know of. Okay. I don't I just with with the name drop of Image Comics, I wasn't sure if that that certainly puts it in the real world. Right. And I, I wasn't sure if it had more than that to it. I don't think so because it gets pretty loony. Okay. And like there's it's kind of a darker, grittier, like Napoleon Dynamite, where like it's a lot of very uh, quirky characters that he's um, like the people he moves in with and like this guy who worked for Image. And um, but it really like perfectly nails like this early 90s aesthetic for um, indie films Mm -hmm. like um, Slacker or Clerks and just like that lo-fi feel, even like the sound design of it, where it's Mm -hmm. like you can tell it's just like this mic propped up. And it it really nails that perfectly. And okay. it's a really enjoyable film. I wouldn't say, like, it's the most amazing story, but, like, there's just this little character movie, and uh, there's a lot of, like, 
it's darkly funny. It's really like okay. where you're not sure if you should be laughing, but like it hits you later, like in context to the rest of the film that that was actually a very, uh, it's a very funny moment. Okay. Well, it's spooky season. So I have more horror movies that I've watched. Okay. And I don't know what it is, but I, I got back into early pandemic. Let's just watch some horror movies. <laughs> I watched uh did you ever watch the the original Goodnight Mommy? Yeah, I did. Up on I Hulu? did see the original one. I watched I I enjoyed that one. Uh okay. not a ton. Yeah, I didn't. It felt so like much. funny games with little kids. Yeah. And it, it I felt like the twist was was fairly obvious mm-hmm. uh long before it got there. But I just watched the American remake mm-hmm. with, with Naomi, Naomi Watts, Watts uh on Amazon right now, Amazon Prime. You can watch it for free. It is sterile and polished. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a very American remake mm-hmm. of what was, I thought, uh, at least an interesting foreign film. Yeah. Is it Swedish I, um, or something? I, or I believe Netherlands? so. Yes, I believe so. This one just felt um, off. I think the, the build-up to the twist worked better for me. Mm-hmm. But also, even if I didn't already know the twist, it just... It strikes me as so obvious. Yeah. Um, I I think because so much of it centers around dialogue and the way certain scenes are shot mm-hmm. and how characters interact, I, I just feel like, and I, I felt that way in the original version too, there was a better way to mask that twist and, um, and just didn't quite do it. But, uh, you know, it's – I guess it's it's moderately spooky. And if you mm-hmm. haven't seen the original and you're not real sharp on on twists, uh, it's it's got some surprises and a little bit of intrigue to it. it sounds like shots it, fired. Yeah. Well, it's basically, you know, two little kids <laughs> yeah. go to live with their mom and she's recovering from plastic surgery mm-hmm. from an accident. And they start to suspect that this bandage woman isn't actually their mom. Mm. Um, you know, and, and whether that's effective or not, for some reason, I kept comparing this in my mind to, to Watcher, uh, which we both love. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Mm -hmm. I don't know why, because they share very little in common Mm -hmm. other than they're trying to build the same sense of, of mystery and dread about Mm -hmm. the identity of somebody. And Watcher was just so much more effective. Yeah, yeah. Than this is, which is strange because this is such a more personal story between a mother and sons. Mm -hmm. You would think this would have much more of a kind of a hook, but, um... You know, I'll, I'll find any excuse to talk about Watcher. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, good night, mommy. You know, it's 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 a horror movie. I'm I'm kind of over three so far. Hmm. So uh, what else you got, Clint? The next one that my wife and I also just recently watched um, is called Brian and Charles. Oh yes, I saw this trailer. Yeah, uh. I I remember I sent you <laughs> the trailer for this, and I just got back from you. No, thank you. <laughs> And I think it was just from the like <laughs> was, the, the image. It was of the it. image. It yeah. wasn't even. I hadn't even watched the trailer yet. Yeah. I was like, nope, <laughs> no sir. So it's about this uh, lonely loner of a man who he is a um, inventor of sorts. He like he's always making these little gadgets, and they barely work or do what he wants them to do. And they're just like the dad in Gremlins. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, so, and he decides to make a robot, like out of, like he finds this um, in that he's always like searching for junk for his inventions. And he finds this like mannequin head mm-hmm. and he has this um, washer and he makes the washer uh, into the body. And he's, it's so janky looking. It really is. In the best way and how it moves. And, uh, and it's just, just like, a delightful little quirky indie comedy um, that uh, it doesn't try too hard to like have a through line of a story. It's more just like these characters and becoming friends and um, kind of this like makeshift almost man child, Mm -hmm. like becoming familiar with the world and wanting to explore it. Um, The only thing that like, Kind of, it didn't ruin it for me, but I just thought it was kind of unnecessary that they they decide to have a kind of villain character in the movie. That's like um, is he's it a neighbor. also a washing machine box <laughs> with a head on it? No, no, okay. it's it's just a neighbor <laughs> who's just this grumpy guy, and he doesn't like um, Charles. Okay. And uh, so it, it's something. It doesn't ruin the movie, but it's kind of like this could have just been a nice like friendship tale, and it is that in. I would say by the end, like there's redeeming qualities to having this character, but I could have done without it. But if you want just like a really light movie that's just easy and uh, kind of delightful, uh, check it out. Well, and since texting you no thank you, I went and watched the trailer. And it did not creep me out. I, <laughs> no, am, no. I am deathly afraid of yeah. uh, just unnaturally so of dolls and mannequins. And it's just something about waiting for this inanimate object yeah, it's there's... human-like to to become animate. Yeah, but but this didn't bother me because okay, he's created this robot thing and it's supposed to move. I, I, yeah, it's such a weird distinction. But if it's supposed to move, <laughs> I, I'm fine. Uh huh. And so once I actually watched the trailer, I was just like, okay, I'll I'll give this thing a shot. I don't think you would have any issue with it at all. Okay. Like from the the tone of it from the beginning yeah. would be like it would put you at ease. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I watched, uh, yet another horror movie, Speak No Evil, which is uh, a newer movie that just hit Amazon. And it's about this family vacationing in, man, I want to say Madrid, but that's totally incorrect. Mm. But this family is vacationing. They meet another family. And the family they meet uh, basically invites them to their country home. Mm-hmm. And so after some hemming and hawing, once they get back to to their own residence, they decide to go because mm-hmm. uh, they really like this family. But immediately upon arriving at this family's country home, they start to detect that something is off. Mm-hmm. And it, it's what follows is just kind of a, a slow descent into creepiness and horror and just the feeling that something is wrong shifting into, oh, something is definitely wrong. Uh-huh. Um, probably the most... Uh, risky part of this film is that it keeps coming up with reasons why this family stays mm-hmm. when they should go. Yeah. You know, there's some pretty early warning signs that cross the line and even moments where they get in the car to leave. But then it's like, oh, you left your stuffed animal back there and it's really important to you. And I'm a bad dad <laughs> if I don't go back. And the movie handles it better than that. But yeah. end of the day, if I really believe somebody's a danger uh, and I've got my little kid with me, mm-hmm. like, 
nothing's getting me back to that house. Right. You know, so just a couple of those things. But this was actually uh, a really naturalistically acted film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, you know, these people are believable. This family's believable. And it it heads in a direction that a lot of people are are kind of talking about because it is it does get dark. Mm. Um it's it's not something where it uh it plays its cards so close to the chest that then suddenly you have a what a twist. Yeah, yeah. You you start to feel what's building towards and what's what's happening and you get this sense of dread as you approach kind of the what this family actually is, mm-hmm. but um yeah, it's, it was it was pretty decent. I uh I thought it was good. A lot of people are calling this, you know, one of the the greats of horror, and uh, it was a little strong. Yeah, uh, but it's it's good. Okay, it's good, Clint. Yeah. So I'm I'm starting to feel like I'm warming Seemed up my very October. Th- very enthusiastic. Wow. It's good. It's good. Question mark. <laughs> uh, you know, with the the Hellraiser kind of remake coming. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. And there's some other things this October I'm looking forward to. But uh, I'm a horror junkie, and I'll try anything And uh, in the horror genre. You know, I'm not, like, shooting up meth. Just to, or You don't shoot up meth. What are you doing right now? You are shooting up meth. <laughs> I don't know why. I've watched Breaking Bad enough times that, you know, anyway. I think um, you smoke meth, too. Yes. 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 Anywho, maybe you can. I don't know. I don't know. What's your last one, Clint? My last one is another uh, little in, like indie film. It's this um, man. This is a strange movie. It's called After Blue Dirty Paradise. I flipped past this. Yeah, you're okay. Go on. So this is directed by uh, Bertrand Mandico. Bertrand Mandico. Um, but it's. Man, it's such a throwback to like '70s sci-fi, um, or maybe even like like later '60s. It's very like this Technicolor world, like almost like it's filmed on infrared film. Okay. And um, it's like this completely practical, like all, all the effects are practical and everything. I absolutely love the look of this film. Like it looks gorgeous, like the entire way through. And uh, but I will say the story isn't the most. It's very loose. So the main premise of this is there's this world that is um, like it's kind of like after or Earth. Like and they've uh, women have went and inhabited this other planet. Okay. And they're starting anew, and men can't live there. Uh, men die off when they're on this planet. So it's just this planet of women, and um, and it's about this girl whose mother is a works like owns a salon and this girl like accidentally but she she frees this woman who is imprisoned and she didn't know she was just thought she was doing a good deed because she was um this woman was trapped but this woman is like notorious on this planet they didn't know that she's like this killer and she's like this assassin and so it's the duty because this girl freed this woman. The mother is responsible for this situation. And so they have to go and hunt this woman down and bring her back and like imprison her again or kill her. Just like they're, they're sent off on this mission. Oh, in this seventies. Yeah. And it's very seventies sci-fi. It almost feels like almost like a more technicolor version of like a doctor who set. Okay. 
Um, I, it looks gorgeous. I'm saying that, but the story, it, it kind of like, it starts off really strong, but then it just goes, it kind of like plateaus in this way where it's, um, it just like nothing happens for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's just very dialogue driven and like, they're just stalled and they're kind of waiting for this woman to appear. And I, I got kind of very bored with it. Um, and I like films like this, like, in other instances where they're very slow and it's it's kind of the point of the film um like the movie stalker mm -hmm. like i love that movie and that movie kind of does a similar thing but it feels very i don't know beneficial to the whole film in this it feels like it just slows down and they don't really know what they're doing okay. and uh it's, and there's just so many odd elements to this film. Like if I said them, like you would be like, that sounds stupid. But in the, in the setting of it being, it feels like a very um, retro science fiction world. It almost feels like very intentional. It, feel, okay. it feels like, it, not like they, I don't know, they were trying to make this weird camp. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to say now. It feels very like a part of the world in this strange way. Um, but I'd say like if it pops up on something like for free, mm -hmm. like I would like you to just watch it just just for like the visuals. Like uh -huh. I don't think you're going to think it's good. I think it's a movie you're like that was stupid. But visually, I think it's really impactful and interesting. And uh -huh. it, like there's movies aren't made like this anymore. Okay. So it, it's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> uh, well, today we are talking about three films as usual. We are talking about Barbarian, Barbarians, and The Aeronauts. But before we get to that. Okay, I was going to say. I, I was about to interrupt you. We are. Before we get to that, I, I wanted to do what I hope will become a new weekly segment. We have been doing Mandalorian Minute mm -hmm. for quite a long time. And our disappointment is usually palpable. So uh, I, I don't want to continue uh, using the title Mandalorian Minute yeah. because it's, it's, it's a little tarnished and I think it's reserved for things that are more hit or miss. I want to pen some love letters to Andor. Uh -huh. Are you up for this? Okay. Do Excellent. You, do you have a title for this? I don't have okay. a title for this. Let's just call it Love Letters to Andor. <laughs> I don't know. Falling in love again. What? I like it. Yeah. Falling in love again with Andor. Falling in love again with Andor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Andor, uh, the first three episodes of Andor, the latest Star Wars Disney Plus series, popped up and... Mm -hmm. Wow. I think I texted you immediately after I finished watching it, and you were in the middle of watching it yeah. by coincidence, and we just started texting. Uh, this is this is a whole new Star Wars. This is such a, uh, a believable and interesting Star Wars, and I don't think it's because, oh, they use less Star Wars trappings. It's because it's just well-written, and yeah. <laughs> I can't understate how... It's just so well written. And I believe in these characters and I believe in their plights and I believe in these conflicts and I believe in the stakes that are being laid out for each character. 
and it's a gorgeous show. It looks like it a looks movie. It looks amazing. Um, what'd you what'd you think of Andor? I loved it from the first scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I've said in the past that um, Rogue One has been my favorite mm-hmm. of all the recent Star Wars movies, and it's up there even compared to some of the uh, the originals. Um, and this nails it perfectly. This is exactly what I've been wanting in Star Wars, mm-hmm. where it's like we're going to treat the audience like they're intelligent and they can yeah. comprehend a, a new story with different characters and it can be modernized, but also it has all the elements of Star Wars. Oh, yeah. It has there. It has the aliens. It has the, the silly robots. It even has a little bit of humor too. It has I mean, humor. There's good, genuine laugh moments yeah. when, the, when the giant alien comes over yeah. and just stands there to intimidate him, but I he know. knows that he's just been asked to stand there and intimidate him. Yeah. He's not actually going to do anything. I know. You can tell like he's kind That's of kind of like a sweetheart, yeah, but like yeah. he's big. Like what? <laughs> It has all the elements I love from Star Wars, but it's also like the characters have like real stakes and like you can tell there's a really interesting like backstory to everyone. And it's not grand galactic stakes. No. I mean, ultimately, you know, it will be, but it's very personal to each Mm -hmm. character. And right now it's, it's creating these small stories that are going to lead these people in a direction that, okay, you get this very climactic Rogue One film. Mm Mm-hmm. But I just appreciate getting to know people and getting to see what's important to them and what stands in their way and what they're going to do about it. And this this has such a uh, a, a sense of uh, like a really strong drama. Yeah, and it, it just happens to be in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and in these three episodes, I feel like they did more to further just the scope of just like normal life and in this galaxy in this Star Wars world. Like just like him walking through the towns, it never gave me those moments from like um the Mandalorian or um uh what's Boba Fett. Boba- oh, this feels so much more populated and lived in. Yeah. Than Boba Fett, which Boba Fett should have felt that way. It yeah. shouldn't have felt like, oh, here comes the cavalry, eight guys. Right. It it should have felt like towns like yeah just like him walking around like this feels like a lived-in city and uh for me i don't know it's just like everything that i've been complaining about star Mm. wars like just thrown out and it was like oh here you go yeah and it feels like i don't know it to me i was like the opening shot i was just like oh it's blade runner star wars yep it's It's blade runner i got a a hint of like the the bsg battlestar galactica Mm -hmm. reboot it just it has different things and it's interesting because so earlier we were talking about house of the dragon versus um lord of the rings Rings of power and how really house of the dragon just kind of every once in a while its fantasy elements pop up I don't feel like that's what's happening here. It would be no, easy no. to say, oh, Mandalorian and Boba Fett are your rings of power and this is your House of the Dragon. I don't think so at all. I think all of those elements are still there. And I would ima- I would imagine they're only going to be more accentuated as this series goes along. But it's, it's the same way any good fiction handles uh, things that are fantastical. If I believe in the characters and I believe in what they're saying and I believe that they care about each other and they're good actors working Mm -hmm. with a good script, you can put anything 
as a setting. You can have any aliens. You can have any craziness happening around them. If I believe in those people at the core and they're well-written, I'm going to go with you. And and I'm, you know, going to follow along that ride. Do you know, is this being filmed? Like, there's a lot of British character, like mm-hmm. actors in this. Um, and it it just has a very different tone to the major Hollywood, Disney, like, you know, the other ones, Mandalorian and all that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm wondering if it's just like, the man, the cast and the um, people behind the scenes that they put together to do this, Just it just all feels completely different. I'm almost positive this is not being shot in the U.S. Yeah. I know this is not being shot on the volume uh-huh. stage. Uh, this is real sets out in the world. Not mm-hmm. that they're against or not going to use right, uh, right. the volume stage uh, at times, but they're really understanding how artificial that can feel. Yeah. And they're they're being very selective about how how they're how they're creating this world. Mm-hmm. Um it's also from Tony Gilroy mm-hmm. uh who has a a great list of of films that he's attached to, but I've always had a special spot for Michael Clayton. Yeah. I love Michael Clayton. I shouldn't. It should be one of the most boring corporate intrigue movies out there, but is so well written and and edited and handled. Did he write um, like the first born film like couple films or so? he was I know he's attached he was to the born somewhere films. in there. I don't yeah. think it was the first one. I think I know he I think he directed the last one. I thought he was helped write some of them. Maybe I'm not sure know. on that one. Um, but he's he's got good credentials yeah. under his belt, and he, it really shows here. Mm-hmm. It really shows that they've they've taken some serious filmmakers and some serious actors and some serious writers. And like, what if we made Star Wars not you know high flying adventure fantasy, but what if we made it real in this world of occasional high flying? you know, adventure. And I think that's what Rogue One did oh, yeah. so well. Yeah, me too. You know, and and by the end, when you get to your first shot of here comes Vader, it it, it completely works in the universe. Mm-hmm. But but before that it was really here are just these normal people trying to grapple with the power dynamics that are happening way above their pay grade. I I really enjoy the music for the show yeah. because it's not strictly sticking to um you know the the what they've done in the past the grand orchestral the grand orchestral yeah. there it's a it's more modernized like that scene at the beginning where he's walking into that like strip club bar um and it's like a very 80s like new wave ish yeah. like it would be in like blade runner and then there's just like more modern touches throughout it like yeah. that make it feel very fresh but it's not like unrecognizable from star wars yeah no i just i this i've been so discouraged at times with the mandalorian and with boba fett and i know people have a lot of love for the mandalorian i've never had a lot of love for it i enjoyed this last season more than the first this is this is the first time in a long time i have well probably since rogue one and i i really liked episode seven but i think this is the first time since then that i have just been fully 100% on board. Uh this this has the potential to make me re re-fall in love with Star Wars. I'm like I'm so enjoying this show, but I'm kind of 
staying guarded. Yep. Because I just I like like with Rogue One and when they were trying to do like the solo stuff, mm-hmm. uh, the solo ser- um, sh- movie the and the prequel, and then they were going to do all these other things, and then they didn't perform as well as they wanted to. Like yeah. I'm afraid that's going to happen with this, and this is just going to be a one-off series, and they're not going to do anything like this ever again because it's not cartoon and silly anymore, and and people are going to complain about it, and um. I, so I'm keeping myself guarded that like I'm just going to enjoy this for what it is and mm-hmm. it's not going to be a signs of uh, things in the future for Star Wars. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I'm hopeful about, this series already has a definite end. They've already said yeah. it's only going to be two seasons. They well, know I mean, exactly the story kind of has a dead end. Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> that movie dead ends it hard. Um but they have they have a definite beginning. They have a definite ending point. Mm. I think that will help them. But it's getting a lot of fan and critical buzz. Yeah. And I'm hoping that kind of clues them into the fact that um, less about the style, but more about the when you take this stuff seriously, mm-hmm. people respond to it really positively. Yeah. Um, and it's not about – I. I'd almost go out on a limb. I'm not 100% sure, but I'd almost go out and say there's not a single fan service moment in this first three episodes. I don't know how there could be, really. I, you know, there are little nods, but only as they would organically appear in that universe. Oh, there's a droid. Oh, there's ships. Well, that's just part of the world. Like, that's not... Exactly. But but there's no, oh, those are the guys from the the bar in in Tatooine in in episode four. It looks crazy CGI face. Luke is here. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm I'm loving it, but I agree with you. I am cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Because I, I really believe in this show, especially after this first three episodes. I think that was a strong three episode showing mm-hmm. that almost feels like a, a part one film if you watch them together. Yeah. But I am nervous once they get off into space and once this starts to inevitably get bigger, uh, I I worry a bit that it's it's going to get too silly. Now, the, the trailers don't show that. The trailers show them kind of expanding the intrigue, but... I Yeah, I, I don't know. The trailers don't fill me with any dread. I feel like the tone of it was so, like solidly set in place in mm. those first three episodes and with like the with Rogue One having already happened like being you know Rogue yeah. so that that's a good blueprint I, I I don't know they would have to really jump the shark on yeah. it to I don't know yeah. not that I'm not gonna not have things I'm not gonna like about it I'm not saying that but it's just like yeah. I'm really enjoying where they're going. And I think there's a good chance. I mean, this showrunner and the writers that are responsible for this first three episodes, I can't imagine that they're suddenly going to abandon what they've established to go in a different direction. Yeah, it the just writing just feels like night and day to oh me. Oh my gosh. To yes. anything else. Yeah. Like the Kenobi and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, really pleased with this, really happy. Uh, I do have, there's a little bit of uh, uh, fan feedback uh, where somebody's asking us a question. Mm. Uh, this is about the MCU and Star Wars. I'm a staunch, M- uh, sorry, this is Brad in Nevada. 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 Uh, 
Uh, I'm a staunch MCU and Star Wars aficionado, but even I'm confused, like most of the internet seems to be, about what the plan is going forward in each of these universes. Loved Andor, but other things have fallen flat. I'm kind of enjoying She-Hawk, but I'm not so sure, especially when weighed against all the other movies. What do you guys think is the key to things like the MCU and Star Wars functioning in a way that engages both tastes, yours and Clint's? How do they pull that together? Clint, what would you like to see in an ideal comic book or Star Wars series? And Ken, what can these different universes do to keep you, but also gain less uh, comic booky or Star Warsy fans? I um, I'm I'm a little more versed on the MCU in this regard. I mm-hmm. I very much I think get what the MCU is doing. I think they're taking this movie universe and they're turning it into a comic book shop, and I think they're okay. <laughs> with experimenting that, you know what? If you don't like She-Hawk, don't watch She-Hawk. Yeah. If you don't like Miss Marvel, don't watch Miss Marvel. Just like when you go to a comic book store, you don't pick up every book. Star Wars, on the other hand, I feel like is really struggling with this idea of its own identity. Yeah. I think the people behind Star Wars really thought the sequel series would just kill. Mm -hmm. And it didn't. Yeah. It got progressively more criticized and and progressively people got more upset with each passing entry. And so I feel like the TV series are a response to a negative outcry. Whereas in the MCU, it's like this response to a positive outcry. We love the MCU. Okay, we'll give you more and we'll give you weirder. and We'll start to give you things you can select from. Whereas Star Wars is just trying to grapple with... Uh, what it wants to be when it grows up. Mm-hmm. Clint, what do you, what's your take on on how to, if you were in charge of Lucasfilm <laughs> or you were in charge of the MCU, you're the new Kevin Feige, Clint Feige sitting over here. What would you do with these two? I'm honestly with the MCU completely lost as to mm-hmm. what's happening with it too. Like I feel what he's saying. Yeah. Like I, I understand what you're saying, and I think that works really well for the series on like on um, Disney+. Disney Plus. Yeah. But honestly, with the movies, I don't know. Like, I feel that the beginning they were kind of setting up that it's going to be this multiverse thing. Mm-hmm. And there's little touches of that, but I feel like it's really not going anywhere, especially this last phase. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just think that that they need to pull that together better. Like if you're going to have all these divergent little um, pick your own, choose your own adventure. Like you like this, you like that in the, in the um, Disney stuff. I think you need to have much more of a straight through line in these, the, the major the movies, mo- the movies yeah. that you like all that stuff is like benefiting like uh, that stuff. And it's like, getting pulled into it and then you have like a lot of momentum through through those movies and right now i feel like it's not so the mcu being kind of the trunk yeah and the the disney plus are these branches right you know but you you still have new characters and then you can play with those in the movies if you need to or want to um and i just feel like they're not even doing that Uh, yeah there there is that sense of we don't know how big to go or what we want to do i'm surprised something like no way home wasn't the first phase four movie yeah, and like shatter reality, but then Dr. Strange can't put it back together. Right. Then everything that happens in the movies after that, it's either an alternate universe or timeline, or you're in your universe leading up to your secret wars, which they've already announced. And secret wars famously in the comics was all these realities basically 
fight each other and then mm-hmm. there's one reality that emerges after that um, or it at least closes off to some of these other places. That I would see the direction of. But this one, it seems like, especially with these Phase 4 movies, it's like they're sort of skipping around and they have this opportunity to go really big. Yeah. And they're staying really small, almost timid, like they're not sure where to pull a thread. Yeah, and especially after, like, Loki, where it felt like we're we're going to introduce this character yeah. who's going to be a very, like, the keystone to a lot that's happening, and they haven't, like, maybe they're planning on it, but, like, they just haven't done anything yeah. with that, and it felt like that was going to be the moment where they're like, okay, we know what we're doing now, yeah. and they haven't done it. Yeah. And it's, so it's just, like, I'm very confused by that one. Yeah. And um, as far as Star Wars... I just want it to be like Andor, like really. But can you, could they do Andor with Jedi? Could they do Andor with, Sure. you know, I I feel like they could. I think so. Like, I I really feel like they could. Like, because I don't think it's so far off from any of the other, like, Star Wars um, movies. It's just like, I feel like the writing is a little bit sharper and they knew what, like, they know what is not, like working for a modern modern audience yeah. at least me like the things that just really bug me about it and they were they worked somehow in like the earlier like the original films and it was kind of charming but like to keep putting those things center focus like they they have been um just like kind of the silly sillier aspects of the world yeah. it just it kind of is baffling to me and like it can be fun at times but like it just it can also just completely derail the entire um, like storyline through that the major elements of the of Star Wars. Well, and even that's hard because when you go to the MCU, Thor Ragnarok is on one side of a line, and Guardians of the Galaxy that hit this fun, silly, but you still take it seriously yeah. and, and you're invested. Whereas more recently, Thor Love and Thunder goes to the other side of that line where it just, there's too much silliness yeah. and you can't invest in in the stakes or the emotional depth of anything. And and so it, it's a very fine line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the original Star Wars movies, I think that's part of the reason they work so well compared to the prequels or the sequels. I, I think there was a better grasp of how to handle that line. But that grasp, I think, was built in because they're limited. They didn't right. have CG that could yeah. create anything that anybody mm-hmm. wanted. I think that's a real detriment. And that's one of the things you notice in Andor. There's not a lot of of CG. No, it's, yeah. It's almost uh, entirely practical with CG touches. Yeah. The CG the, enhances right. the backgrounds and the world. but That's where CG, I feel like, really works. Yeah. 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 So it... it in a weird way, like Rogue One did the same thing. It it has a much more original trilogy feel mm-hmm. than than other thing in Star Wars. Okay, yeah. I I feel like we're gonna end up talking about this a lot. <laughs> um, well, as far as comic books, what would I want to see? Yeah, what would what would your ideal comic book movie universe look like? I mean, I I feel like I I really did enjoy the newest Batman film. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you could do. I don't know if you could. It would work for everything though. So okay, take the Batman, which you really enjoyed. Yeah. What is the version of a Superman film or a Wonder Woman film that can connect to that film, or is that not a film that you can connect to a larger universe? I, that's po- quite possible. It, yeah. it might be just its own little universe that I just like. Batman is my favorite. Yeah. Like uh, of 
comic book stuff. And um, I feel like that kind of exists on its own. I think even like when Zack Snyder tried to do the Superman thing mm -hmm. and, and we were so excited about those early trailers trailer. and you're like, oh man, they're doing the Batman thing with this. It's going to like feel, and then it just was silly, flat. flat and silly on its own merit. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure like if what I would do, like I do, I really enjoy like the guardians and mm -hmm. Loki, I think was a really strong, um, example of it. it was emotional grounded, but also had lighter elements to it. I think Loki really nailed it for me, honestly. And in a way, I mean, the, the first chunk of the MCU had a binding element. It had the infinity stones. It had yeah. the idea of there are these things that go across the movies. The movies could feel completely separated from each other, but there was there was a through line there that you could then bring things together. Yeah. I think that's part of what's going on right now in phase four. I don't know what that through line is because the multiverse mm -hmm. is not a through line. The multiverse is a theme. Yeah. You got to give me a conflict or a here's what we're chasing or right. here's the stakes. And I feel like they're planting seeds there but they haven't revealed what that thing is. And so I don't have something to grab onto and say, okay, here's the connecting point, but this movie can be its own thing. Well, it's also hard because they're introducing all these new characters too. So yeah. you don't even have like the familiarity of, of like, okay, here's Iron Man. I know who Iron Man is or like a Captain America. Yeah. Like you have, like there's, these are like the B-level yeah. superheroes at this point, and we got to get familiar with them and accept yeah. them into this world. But also, there's not a through line to like tie them into some greater um, scheme that's going on. So I, for me, that's been very difficult. Well, and I appreciate you want stakes in something like Endgame. Um, yeah. and, and that's... So I respect the decision of uh, Iron Man dies, Captain America's old, and then, you know, by no fault of their own... Uh, Chadwick Boseman dies, mm -hmm. so there goes the Black Panther element. But it it seems like they have gone into Phase Four without a plan of how they were going to handle the consequence of that. Right, which is right. now there's not somebody to anchor things to, like a Tony Stark or a Steve Rogers. Uh, Doctor Strange is just not it. It's not working. When your supporting yeah. character in your universe, Wong, mm -hmm. is getting way more fan delight <laughs> than the guy you wanted to build everything around. That's a problem. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to be seen, I guess. We'll, yeah. We'll see where it goes. I have been still mildly enjoying She-Hulk, though. I have, too. I've just... It's it's one of those things where every episode, especially, you know, up through this... It's episode six now of eight. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we go to a wedding. Yeah. And that's fun. Yeah. If this was a 15, 16 episode series, mm -hmm. I'd be fine with it. But it's it's starting to feel a little... Like, is, is this just all we got? Yeah. And then even with the the last scene in the, the sixth episode, it was just kind of like, oh, so really this season is just building towards either the sudden emergence of a villain or a villain that's going to get the Hulk blood and then go do something mm -hmm. in some other show or movie. I honestly would have been fine if they were decided they weren't going to do that element at all and yeah. it was just going to be her being a lawyer. Like, I think yeah. the lawyer elements are my most, yeah. like... Uh, enjoy like i'm enjoying those parts of the show a yeah. lot like it's just that's yeah. a, a very silly idea for a yeah. show and mr immortal and all of his ex-wives yeah that was you know, that was great yeah silly yeah yeah okay well uh today and again by 
almost complete coincidence. We went to the theater and we watched the newly released Barbarian. We then hopped over to Amazon and watched this uh, invasion horror movie that's kind of been sitting in there for a while. Barbarians (laughs) came out in 2021. And then uh, just to continue the Barbarian theme, the Aeronauts. (laughs) (laughs) We're so good at planning. I know. I know. (laughs) So let's start with the theatrical release, uh, the most recent film, Barbarian. Uh, This is a 2022 horror mystery. And uh, it comes from director Zach Kreger and uh, stars stars a couple of people, probably most recognizable, Bill Skarsgård mm-hmm. and Justin Long. Um, but it's and about Georgina Campbell. Yes. Yeah. It's about a young woman uh, played by Georgina Campbell who discovers the rental home she booked is already occupied by a stranger. Against her better judgment, she decides to spend the night, but soon discovers there's a lot more to fear than just an unexpected house guest. Mm-hmm. Clint, what did you think of Barbarian? Oh, not Barbarians. No, Barbarian. Oh, oh Barbarian. Barbarian. Okay, we haven't got to that one. Singular. Singular. One Barbarian. Singular. One Barbarian, not multiple Barbarians. What did you think of Barbarian? Um, well, we... we you went... couldn't see Clint just rub <laughs> the entire length of his face before speaking, but I had to note that. We did go to the theater to see this. We did. We did. And we saw some... A- popcorn. We saw some A-plus parenting where... <laughs> I had totally forgotten that kid. Some crazy lady brought a nine-year-old to this thing. And at one point, he's like, and she's like, I'll explain it to you later. I couldn't tell if she's the best mother or the... The way the kid handled this movie, he's definitely been dragged to horror movies a lot. I'm like trying to think like maybe later in life, he'll be like, he'll be a great like horror movie director. And he's like, yeah, when I was 10, my mom would take me to these horror movies. It got me really in love with them. Or he'll dig tunnels under his house. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so we went and saw it in the theater. I my did. brother had seen seen this a week earlier and he really liked this film. So I was in this is gonna be getting a lot of buzz. It's got a really good yep. score yep. on like Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. So I in the everyone's been like, oh, the scariest like show, you know, they show those trailers where it's like just audience reactions in the in the like um n- night vision goggle view. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's getting that goggle view it's getting goggle view uh trailers um so it made me like interested in this and i would say like i was i've been trying to determine where it lost me Ooh, i want to talk about that because here maybe not right now but i had that exact same question because i think i was pretty on board with this movie for a long time i was too and then i got to a point where i was like Oh wait, this is a bad movie. <laughs> like this isn't good, and I'm still debating. Like oh, I think, hopefully, through this conversation and talking to you about it, maybe I can like nail that down. But like, I was on board for a lot of this, and like there was some like thematic things that I thought, oh, that's kind of clever, mm-hmm. and like what they're saying about like men, and like kind of they're almost did like a men thing where they're yep. saying like things about men at these like in different phases of like assaulting women like in, in like different extremes and being aware of the culture yeah. of that yeah. yeah that that was really well done and then at some point it just like throws all that out the window and then it just goes big and dumb so let me break it down by segment okay 
Uh, and and maybe maybe let's do it that way because okay. I think I know where it lost me. Okay. Um, so the first segment is uh, arguably, and I would stand by the strongest part of this movie, mm-hmm. uh, and that is when Georgina Campbell first comes to this um, Airbnb. Yeah. And there's already somebody staying there, played by Bill Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it is any coincidence that he's the one cast in this role mm-hmm. because he's coming off of some creepy stuff. <laughs> Including Pennywise. Yeah. And so automatically when you see his his just he has a very strange but face. But there's also not scary. No, but it's also sweet too. Yes. Yeah. There there's a sweetness to it, but he's also such a tall and imposing presence yeah. that you really struggle with is this a good guy or a bad guy? Mm-hmm. And the way that first segment is written, I loved. Yeah. Uh, because I genuinely was trying to suss out, is this guy up to something yeah. or is he just what he says he is? Mm-hmm. And that was my favorite part of the movie. Uh, then that gets resolved at the end of its first segment. Right. And you know whether he's, he's you know, part of the angels or devils in this right. movie. Yeah. Then we flash very jarringly. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the Justin Long character. Who is it like is, two weeks or something? A couple, yeah, maybe a yeah, month? I think two weeks. Yeah. Um, and he is an actor in Hollywood. He's very successful. He's got a, a pilot that's being picked up. And suddenly he gets a call in his car from his PR agents that are informing him that an actress that he is with is accusing him of rape. Mm-hmm. And he suddenly goes into panic and it, it becomes this... This is going to destroy my career. And how did I, how did she misunderstand? And how did this, 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 and this? Right. And then the central mystery, sort similar to the first segment. The first segment is, is this a good guy or is this not a right. good guy? For a huge chunk of this second segment, mm-hmm. is this poor guy falsely accused? Right. Or is this a real creep yeah. that is just so oblivious to his own actions that he's really done something wrong and he doesn't realize it? Uh, the the second segment was very different than the first segment, but worked for me as well. Yeah. And it brought in some more comedic bits yes. to it. That when he gets to, he owns this Airbnb. Yeah. He goes to basically offload it. And while he's there... Uh, he finds the same series of tunnels mm-hmm. that we've gone down through with our first two characters. But instead of being terrified, which is what his first reaction suggests, uh-huh. he's excited yeah. and just starts measuring. It's more floor space. Oh, it's, it's it, he can is, charge this is more for this house. More now. money. And yeah. when he finds the second creepier tunnel, yeah. he's <laughs> giddy. And he's so giddy, he's ignoring like cages and yeah. you know, cameras and weird creepy rooms with buckets. And it's it's genuinely funny. We yeah. were both laughing out loud in the theater. LOL. Then, LOL. Yeah. Uh over the course of this, you you get a sense of whether he's a good guy or bad yeah. guy. So okay, second segment, we figured this out. Third segment flashes to very clearly, I mean, it is signaling evil in every way possible. A, a flashback to the original homeowner. Mm-hmm. Kind of lost style. Lost style. Yeah. But it had a really creepy fairy tale vibe mm-hmm. to it. It was like uh, that beautiful 50s. A very, like, yeah. yeah, it was, it was 50s, ideal. but it's taken place in the 80s, but it's that idyllic, everything is just honky-dory yeah. in this neighborhood, but clearly this guy is not. Yeah. I was with it. I was, I was a little thrown off because I'm like, okay, how's this going to play in? And I so was up, I, th- I was still in there. I think I started to slip there, yeah. 
but I was just more cautious there. It's after that. Yeah. After that, it yeah. now returns back to present day. Mm-hmm. We have our surviving characters that are in this basement. We discover the nature of the the creature in this creature feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what follows is what I can only describe as somebody reading a really sharp and cool indie script and saying, yeah, but the last 30 minutes, the kids aren't going to like it. Right. You got to. Yeah. You got to punch up this last 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so it's that last segment uh, that that's longer than the other segments, but just really felt like a completely different movie. There are some things about it that like I was still enjoying, like when he gets captured too. Yeah. And he's with her and you kind of learn a little bit more about this creature that's mm-hmm. inhabiting these tunnels. I was still like intrigued by this. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to a point where like it doesn't bring in the flashback element in a very interesting way where it's just like, oh, it's just this creepy serial killer, uh, like abduction, a guy who abducts women. And uh, he forms his own little community down these tunnels sort of. And uh, it's just that. And so, and she's the offspring of this. And there's, it just gets very like horror, normal horror where the rest of the movie was really playing with horror elements in very interesting ways and breaking it up and also had a commentary about like the the world we're living in now and things that we're discussing regularly. And um, yeah, by the time you get to the obligatory chases and the obligatory, uh, is she dead? Isn't she dead? Ah, jump scares and stuff like that. It completely lost me. Yeah. It lost all of the uh, the the subversion of genre elements that were really going for it before that. Yeah. Like that, what I wanted to – I don't know at this point we're already into spoilers if we uh, – Yeah, uh, let's <laughs> just – spoilers from here on because we should talk about the awful, awful ending of this movie that I just – other people are loving it. I, I hated this ending. But go on. What I always want is, and it started to do it, is one of my favorite books is um, House of Leaves, mm-hmm. where this family buys this house and they're kind of like this story, like doing measurements and they find out that the house is bigger on the inside than the outside. And it's just like an, an impossibility. And they like find all these rooms and it just it opens up into this labyrinth behind and under their house. Yeah. Like otherworldly. And it's just surreal and strange. And that's what I want from somebody to do something like that where it gets absurdly surreal. And I wanted this to open up where like the tunnels just keep going. And that's from the trailers. That's what I thought. Me too. I thought there would be much more of a supernatural element to this. Yeah. Like I would have loved if like it starts off like there's this normal Airbnb. Yes, it is in dilapidated Detroit, but it's just like this series of tunnels that are just like otherworldly and surreal. And they're being, they're trying to figure their their way out and they can't, and it just goes on forever. Like that would have been so interesting and uh, more appealing to me. There's this great shot at the beginning when she first arrives at the house, she gets a little creeped out when the key's not in the box and she looks up and down the street Yeah, and it's completely empty. It's just pitch black. 
it's just this house sitting out in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and it's pouring rain and and you're just like okay it's this house on an abandoned street that's creepy i assumed everything was going to happen that night but she wakes up the next morning and when she goes out she realizes she's actually on this very populated street full of these houses but they've all been abandoned they're and all so burnout you even have this very cool and surreal idea of just this happy little ideal home sitting in the middle of complete abandonment. I will say I've I've had this exact moment happen really? to me where I was on tour with my friend Mike and we went to, he was playing Detroit and we went and like actually this kind of ties into the movie with Bill um, Skarsgård's character who is like she finds out that he works for like this art collective mm-hmm. and like they're he's up trying to set up a new shop and like uh, this new studio space for them and he's scouting out at locations but Anyway, back to my story. We he was playing there and we meet this guy who he has a he has bought this rundown um warehouse and he's turned it into his um art space where he paints and works and like mm-hmm. he made he's made the upper level his home and it is like modern to it's all concrete, modern, like super slick. And um we wake like it's in the middle of Detroit, like kind of on the outer edges. And we wake up the next morning and we're leaving and it's those houses. Like we're driving and they're just all burnt out and it's like so surreal. And, uh, so yeah, like I had that feeling like in watching that, that scene and her, how she was reacting to it. Well, and it seems like the last segment in the end breaks every horror rule between good movie, bad movie. <laughs> well, it's let's yeah. let's take our creature out into the light. Mm-hmm. Always a bad idea. Let's uh, you know, toy with the idea of, oh, she's here. Now we killed her. No, we didn't. Uh-oh. <sighs> it did it so many um, times, too. Yeah. And she just becomes this this superhuman creature. What that's <sighs> one thing I wanted to say about that is I'm pretty sure if you if you're born in the, a series of labyrinths, you're malnourished. You're not going to actually grow bigger and no. stronger. No. <laughs> and no. like, so if you want to do like, that's where it plays into also like if they went like a more um, supernatural way, yeah. like it would have made more sense in a way, but yeah. it's just like, no, she's just superhuman and she could take the Run of getting hit by a car. Yeah. Well, and it and, and pinned against a house. And pinned against a house. And and first, you know, when she comes through the tunnels, when you first see her, it's a really creepy moment. And it's like, oh, these are, you know, she's like this mole person that lives yeah, down yeah. in this darkness and can see mm-hmm. when these other characters cannot. But then later you find out she lives in this room with like bright purple lights. And it's just like, so how is she run out in the tunnels and hunting people with perfect vision in the darkness if it just little things like that. And that leads to And this, I generally oh, sorry to interrupt like no, I generally okay. like don't like being that person who's just nitpicking yeah. something apart. But like when you're opening yourself up to like like for the first um like three fourths of the movie, you're being very like intentional and yeah. in trying to like actually have commentary on things and make a point about something. And then by the end, you're just like going to throw it all out the window yeah. and just go big and dumb. Like that's like what bothers me. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, okay. Well, I was supposed to be really taking this seriously. Yeah. And now I, uh, and you're just, you don't care anymore. Well, and the implication is, oh, she's been coming upstairs and opening the doors and stuff. Yeah. 
well, then she's much sneakier than this giant brute right. screaming and running through tunnels and dragging people into cages. Yeah. Like those two things don't compute right. together. You know, it's also because there's a moment where the guy, the the homeless guy on the street saying like, oh, and she's the least of your worries. There's more down there that you don't even want to find out about. And then like they don't do that. Like it's just yeah. her and then her yeah. dad husband whatever um but even this homeless guy why hasn't this homeless guy ever gone and said hey <laughs> there's a weird house over here and you know it just, well you see how well it worked for her and she was kind of i actually kind of like that i i, I love the, the cop scenes and the fact that they were so dismissive of her yeah. and that's what drove her back into the house yeah i thought that was an effective way to sell why somebody would go back in and even then she's just getting her car right um so I don't know. There's there's a lot about this movie I was into. This just took a hard right turn into disappointing for me at the end. Yeah, um, and, and oh, man, <laughs> and the last five minutes. The last five is minutes are ludicrous, ridiculous. Um, you know, just spoilers. But again, if one person falls off <laughs> of a tall structure, and then another person runs over to the edge and jumps off to save them. There is no version of reality unless you were jumping from an airplane and have the time to dive in the proper way and catch up that you are going to dive down past them, scoop them up and land on the ground under them. Mm-hmm. It just... Especially when the thing is not that high. No, no. <laughs> it's like three stair rungs up. Yeah. It just... And it's it's little things like that that so much effort was put into making me believe in in the tension and the suspense and the can I trust these this new character or not? That, yeah, that just that kind of stuff. Well, especially uh, when you have that uh, the Justin Long character where like there's this intense like moment of realization that like you might be a bad guy oh, yeah. and you want to do something about it, and then like by the end, you just you have thrown that out completely yeah, yeah. just for self preservation. Within sixty seconds, he yeah. goes from. Bad guy to good guy with epiphany to bad guy to Worse. really bad They're guy. Really bad. Yeah. Uh, trying to, oh, you slipped there. What the heck? Yeah. Please. And um, yeah, and trying to gaslight her into believing it. Yeah. And, but, and there was elements like to, like, and I know that was kind of playing into it too, that whole scene, but like, where they're taught, like, there's these different levels of like men, um, who are kind of predatory, like the, uh, the, um, Skarsgård character who he's just kind of creepy and is overstaying his welcome when he's like not realizing the night's over, you need to leave my bedroom. And then there's the, um, Justin Long character who is like an outright, like, he's not saying he's a rapist, but he's, he also is like, he's, um, I don't know. He, he used is, his position of authority yeah, or power pow- or celebrity yeah. to gain something. Right, right. Yeah. And he he talked like pushed his way into like didn't listen to this woman who was saying no. And then you have the all right the outright like um abduct uh, guy who's abducting women and forcing yeah. them into slave like slavery and like this situation in this house. And so there I don't know the, what they were trying to do with it was Felt like it was building towards something more yeah. interesting, and it it doesn't. I think where it, I mean, the definite point where it completely lost me is there's this great scene, 
even after some some problematic things, where he follows this line connected to a bell down a dark hallway he yeah. hasn't been down. And when he gets mm-hmm. to the end of it, he hears this creature, this woman coming at him. Uh-huh. And she slowly emerges through the darkness, but then she sees the door he's at, and then she withdraws. Mm-hmm. And I, in that moment, I'm like, okay, right. we're going to have a good ending here because yeah. whatever's behind that door, just like the homeless guy said, is way worse than her. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't. Yeah. You know, once upon a time, I guess it was. Right. And I get the the psychological implications there, but ugh. anyway, that was Barbarian. <laughs> Uh, Clint's brother liked it. So, you know, it's, it's there for people to like. A lot of people like um, this movie. It's got yeah, really it high. It really does. Yeah. Uh, I, and I guess if it makes that turn and it doesn't lose you there at the end, you will love it. Um, but I, I really enjoyed 70% of this movie. Yeah. And then it lost me over the last 30%. Uh, so let's go to Barbarians. <laughs> Plural, uh, which does not have as good a reviews. It is from 2021 and director Charles Dorfman. It stars uh, Ewan Rowan, uh, I think is how you say his name, which you would recognize from Game of Thrones as Ramsey Bolton. Tom Collin, uh, Catalino Sandino, and wow, I wish I could say her first name. Ines? Ines. Very French. Spiridonov. Anyway, uh, <laughs> enough. Yeah, this is about four friends who come together for a celebratory dinner party at a country house. However, as the night progresses, dark secrets emerge and unsettling events begin to unfold around them. Clint, what did you think of Barbarians? Um, I feel like there are multiple examples of better versions of every single element of this film. There are like three films in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Like three films shoved together. Yeah. And they don't intersect well to me. I don't know. They feel kind of like I don't know why they were shoved together mm-hmm. exactly. Um it was kind Did of Did you come out of this then with a shoulder shrug or was it Yeah, a... it was pretty shoulder shruggy. Um there was elements of it I liked that they were setting up and then they don't follow through on any of them particularly well. Um, I absolutely hated the um, Tom Collins Lucas character. Like I feel like he just represents a deplorable uh, sect of life. (laughs) He represents so many people I remember from middle school and high school. I really just my teeth were yeah gritting through every time he had a scene yeah I, he just he reminded me of too many people that are just cruel to be cruel because they're strong and smart and good looking and it's it's frustrating to be around those people right yeah um what did you think about it <laughs> um i i do feel like there's three movies here yeah the first movie i was really into as as we approach what inevitably is going to go wrong and there's this fox and there are these kind of elements of uh, sort of like in men this idea of the the natural supernatural world uh invading um something that's come into their territory i at first cuz i hadn't seen a trailer for this i at first thought this was going to be much more uh kind of celtic paganism yeah uh, infused, especially with the the stone they keep talking about, mm-hmm. the monolith. 
that sort of gets abandoned. And I was very sad that got abandoned. Yeah. Then there's this second movie element of, okay, now we've set up all this pagan stuff and we have this drug that we are going to take together. And I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be that movie where we've set up this natural world and supernatural world at the edges. And then this drug is going to pit these poor people against each other and the supernatural is going to bleed through. Okay, potential there. Then suddenly it was a home invasion movie. (laughs) And I wish I had watched the trailer so I would have been anticipating the home invasion part. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know if it would have been as disappointing to me as it ended up being. That was was a very frustrating version of this Because there's so many better versions of that element in the movie. Yeah. And I didn't feel like they had explained adequately the kind of the conflict that led to who the home invaders are. Yeah, Won't yeah. spoil it in case you want to watch it. It's not really worth talking about. It's not that big of a deal. But it just, there were all of these elements in the movie. And I feel like if they had really pursued any one of those elements, I think it would have been a better movie for it. I don't, I don't know if there's a great movie in here, but no, I, I don't, think it no. would have been a more cohesive movie. Yeah. Well, I was... The element of, like, this supernatural, like, pagan element is so, like, on the extremes of the film, like, where yeah. it's, like, it's barely an element to it. Yeah. It's, like, we're kind of mentioning and there's there's a fox. And just because we watched so many movies recently that have these, like, supernatural fox characters, I feel like now we're just, like, in tune to yeah. that maybe being yeah. an element. And I don't even know if it was, like, supposed to be. Um but it, it put my mind in that realm. Yeah. So where I wanted it to go by the end is like all of this, like we're on this land and there's this great history to this land and it's seeping into this modern world and this in this group of friends and is influencing them. And breaking down their modern Right. And maybe in a way that they 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 wouldn't naturally interact with each other yeah. if they weren't in this place in this time. Yeah. Like maybe like the Luke, uh, Lucas character, he is kind of like this asshole, but in this situation it's heightened yeah. and it's pushing things over the, uh, the edge. And, um, and maybe that also is happening with these home invaders. Mm-hmm. Like they wouldn't naturally be doing this. And if they had done that, yeah. where it, like they are broken broken down and they're doing something out of the ordinary because like there's this thing seeping into them, this evil or in this medieval, like just this barbarian barbarians yeah. like uh, element that is getting into them. Where I wanted it to go by the end is like full on like um just like old god yep. where the i'm going this might be a spoiler but it's just like the last scene where the one there's a character who is shot and blood is sprayed on that monolith on the monolith yeah. on this is the rune a rune like it's not a rune no it's not a rune a rune I, is like a symbol right right i'm trying to remember if it had runes on it right Potentially. Well, and it wasn't the original monolith. It's one she's created to match it. And so that was interesting, too, the idea of resurrecting this old craft. Right. And it doesn't matter that it's new. It's still the power in this place is still being funneled through this thing. You've just reignited it or reopened it. If it had one last shot where that thing cracked open and something crawled out of it, 
And like this, all of this has been towards this moment. Like manipulated by this force. Right. To get a sacrifice <laughs> at its base. Right. Yeah. I think that would have gave me a whole different perspective on yeah. this film. No, and I maybe, I, I don't know, that would have been very interesting. I agree with you. I I I agree. I, I came to it. And by the end, I, it was just a giant shoulder shrug. And yeah. I'm like, that's it? Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this was just dealing with, uh, again, another movie dealing with masculinity, but not a lot to say. It's almost like <laughs> these movies without a lot to say apologize, but then don't have something to say beyond that. Right. Uh, like the Lucas character is obviously meant to be unliked. Yeah. But then they take our main character and they make him unlikable too. Right. So like, okay, now I don't like the guys. Then they make the French chick uh, unlikable. Okay, well, now I don't like her. Yeah. Um, and really the only one you're left with is this artist. Okay, mm. the artist created the stone. I'm totally with you. It's like, oh, I see what's happening. No, no, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. I weren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just it's it's funny how much happens in this movie and how little I have to say about it. Right. <laughs> I just <laughs> I was so ambivalent by the end of this thing. Yeah. And uh I don't know. I it it doesn't it's not a great home invasion thriller. It's not a great pagan horror movie. It's not a great character dynamic film. It's not a great best friend splitting film uh into anarchy. Even if it would have just stuck with them and their night spirals into violence, uh, I would have tracked with it, I think, better than... Yeah, for sure. Because it was going that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I will say, though, that Barbarian, the turn that movie takes by the end of that, I feel like it kind of evened these two out for me. Yeah. (laughs) Like, where I, like... It like I and I was really on board with Barbarian by the So let me ask you that beginning. Who is the Barbarian in Barbarian Singular? Maybe just man. <laughs> like men in general. Is that who the barbarians are in barbarians? I guess so, yeah. yeah. I'm I know a lot of people get offended by this. I I do not because I just feel like uh, we as the male gender have, have been in charge for so long that I, I'm good if there's just a couple of years of of people being mad at us in general. Like, yeah, okay. No, I understand. You it. know, I get it. Like, I completely, I get it. yeah, I understand. It doesn't it. offend me no, when no. there are all these, like, men can really be bad. I'm the one standing there, like, yeah, yep, yep, totally can. Sucks. I'm sorry, guys. I feel like I've always kind of felt that way too. Yeah. Like even growing up, I had a lot of female friends, yeah. and like I had male friends too. But like, I I always kind of like could relate a little, mm-hmm. like under I don't know, relate in a some way a little bit more. I don't know. What. I had two very specific friends at church, surprisingly, but they were constantly talking about the physical attributes of different girls mm-hmm. that were in our youth group or whatever else. And I remember how uncomfortable that made me, even at that age. And I was in like middle school, but it was just icky uh-huh. and it just felt wrong uh, before I even under, and, you know, and that's like 1991. So that's long before we started having these conversations really openly as a society. Um, but even then, it, it just, it, that stuff really unsettled me. The yeah. thought of of the fact that people actually catcall and would stand on a street mm-hmm. and yell at 
some girl passing by is bizarre to me. Right. Because uh, just like never in my existence has that popped into my head. It's like, here's a reasonable thing to do. I've got a good idea. This will make her feel nice. <laughs> like, and this will get me what I want to. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this, I don't know. I don't I don't mind that aspect of it. I just, I, I always get disappointed as I bet you anything female audience members do too. More so, where it's just like, okay, you've brought up toxic masculinity. Say something about right. it. Like, yeah. give me, yeah. don't just introduce these things unless you're doing satire. Like, give me something. Yeah. Um, and at least on that note, I felt like Barbarian did that. I, I felt like it introduced those concepts and it had something to say. Yeah. I may not have liked the ending, but that was because it got typical horror movie. Not because it didn't answer its its primary, but by the end, I don't think notes. it had a payoff for why they brought those things up. No, no, those were there, um, and they got you thinking about things, but it didn't have an ultimate. Here's here's the dot. Here's the period on the end of the sentence. Maybe the what happens with the abductor guy? Like he's just a coward. In the end, the cops are coming for him, and Maybe. he just takes himself out. Yeah. Maybe. Um we're all just cowards, Ken. I, you know, honestly, <laughs> you take me back in time and you drop me into the middle of a medieval war, uh, my my brain whether through genetics or time or culture, I'm not going to live. Are yeah. you kidding me? Uh I I am not built for uh ancient male existence <laughs> i'm just not i never have been uh, i remember my dad getting frustrated with me because i was the art kid that just wanted to stay inside and draw yeah and he's like we got lawns to mow and i'm like what i'm drawing a transformer dad <laughs> um, getting a little too personal here but you know it just that's just never been me i don't know i don't know my wife appreciates it because i'm sensitive <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to our third film. Oh, See a segue? <laughs> that brings us to our third film. God help me. Sinatron uh, spun this up. And this is The Aeronauts from 2019. In 1862, headstrong scientist James Glashier and wealthy young widow Amelia Wren mount a balloon expedition to fly higher than anyone in history, Clint. Mm -hmm. As their perilous ascent reduces their chances of survival, the unlikely duo soon discover things about themselves and each other mm -hmm. that help both of them find their place in the world. Clint, what did you think of the aeronauts? I'm trying to... <laughs> when will shoulder shrugs make sound? I need to put bells on... Bells on my shoulder. That. This, by the way, has a 95% positive audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. I did Tomatoes. see that. I, 95%. I saw it. That's crazy. It really is really – like it was It was kind of like I watched that. I didn't like <laughs> outright despise it. It was just kind of like the most middle-of-the-road movie that I've seen in a long time. But like I generally I am so fascinated with this time period yeah. and the idea of like these balloonists is really fascinating to me, especially like on this um 
like as used as a the scientific tool when like I, I actually was reading a lot about it afterwards just because I was curious about it and like that the real life elements that um, influenced the story or this was kind of loosely based on. And just the idea of like this time, like ballooning was seen as kind of like this sideshow act and the scientist who like sees it as this um, tool that could be used to really measure and like um, the atmosphere and like towards meteorology. And that was a really fascinating idea to me. Um, So there's all these elements that I was very intrigued by, but then it just goes really kind of big, dumb Hollywood and um, just kind of turned me off from the story. This is a movie that I remember being made a lot in the the late 90s. Yeah. It, this kind of, you know, period drama with a, a wild story but kind of told flatly mm-hmm. um, where it was very – it takes something really interesting and harrowing and makes it very ordinary and studio-fied, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. I I just – I had the hardest time paying attention to this movie. Yeah. I rarely pick up my phone while watching a movie. <laughs> and I just, at one point, I was probably an hour into this, I just started answering texts while watching it in the background. <laughs> and it just, it had lost me. And yeah. I, I try not to do that. But in in any other uh, reality, I would have just shut this off and like, that's not for me. This is boring. Uh, it lost me. But I'm like, I'm on assignment. I got <laughs> to watch this because we got to yeah. talk about it and I got to say smart things. Well, there's so many like moments of just like the drama of them trying to get this um, this balloon like mission underway where he's yeah. trying to get the money and he's trying to, to get her on board even though she doesn't want to because her dead husband and all this stuff that was just like that's intertwined with the uh, uh storyline of them actually on the balloon doing yeah. the thing that like just totally would like drop the level of um like energy in the yeah. film for me anyway and that, so I just I kind of wish that they had just gone like okay here's these two people there and the whole thing is just the thing yeah them in the in balloon the surviving yeah. and like going against the elements yep. that would have been I would have been all about and that. them learning about each other instead of like yep. over the course of like I think actually only t- it was like an hour flight and maybe a little bit longer in reality but like do the movie kind of in real time. It's them doing this thing and they're learning about each other as people throughout this. It would have been, instead of it being broken up and then they're like, they have like two minutes to like give this like um, scene of dialogue about them, like learning something about themselves or like going through and overcoming their pain and everything. It's just, and it felt very unnatural in the situation of like, you're li- like trying to survive right now. Why are we giving this giant, um, all this exposition on your past? So much exposition. Yeah. So much exposition. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I didn't care about this movie. I still don't <laughs> care about this movie, Clint. I know a lot of people were up in arms about what they changed historically because like yeah. it, it, in the real story, it's, two men and they changed the one character to this woman, um, to make it more modern and to make it more, um, 
like they wanted it to be this in, inspiration to young women to get involved with STEM and like science and technology and all that. Um, and I, I think that's, that idea is admirable, but I think there could have been a better way of like, cause there were a lot of women involved with like ballooning, like, especially early on when it was starting out, like to tell uh, like a very central female story that was actually historically accurate, even though like, <sighs> This isn't saying it's completely historically accurate, but I think it does too much to make you believe that it is. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of takes away from it because like, even if it is very inspirational to a, a young girl, then you're going to go in like, maybe she'll get further into it and realize, oh, they made that up for the big screen. Yep. So it was just an inspirational movie. It's not an inspirational Wait, event. Then don't like market it as being this true life event. There needs to be. So so you've got like your movie rating, but when you go to watch one of these, before it starts, there's like an independent board, historical board, <laughs> that creates a one to ten scale rating. And just at the beginning, you know, this film is based on a true story. It received a three out of ten from the historical blah 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 society. They don't care if it's a good movie. They just measure how accurate this right. is. Right. Like, what's the thing where it's like, how, what is that rating about? Um, like, when women are just directly just only yep. talking about men. Yeah. And like, they're, yeah. that's the only point of them. And it's yeah. like, I can't remember what that's called. I forget what it is, but yeah. same, same idea. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of a scale that, you know, much as I love Braveheart, yeah, this is, this is too on the National Historical Register of Accuracy for what actually happened in. 13th century Scotland right? <laughs> with these people. And it brought me like, I, I really do like, I, I, I think it's great to want to see a uh, female, um, people represented in these situations. Female people. I, I don't want to say, I was going to say gals again. I don't know I would, uh, women. I want to say Females, women. Women. Females, I don't know. I'm women. just stammering to try to get my thoughts and saying. The other gender. Saying the fair gender. There you go. Saying stupid stuff. So anyway, I think that's an admirable idea, but something like, um, like this, what brought it to mind to me was actually the league of their own. Yeah. Where I think that did it's the I, that idea is so much better, like especially the black character in that story, where you're telling this divergent story. And to tell the story of this woman who maybe wants to be involved with ballooning or in the sciences or something, and she can't, like because it's because historically it wasn't allowed, yeah. and it would have been laughed at at oh. the time. Like that could have been a very interesting divergent storyline in well, something like I, this. I think that's where it separates from because people sort of lump all this stuff together. But it's you know people lost their minds over the Little Mermaid and the actress yeah. being black in the Little Mermaid. Who cares? It's a mermaid. Right. It's a mermaid. Right, right. And so don't get all worked up because your mermaid isn't white like she was in the cartoon. Right. That there, there's no actual bearing there where you can show other than your own irritation that uh, that, that in any way changes fundamentally the story. Right. And, and in fact, you can show how it fundamentally changes the impact that it has mm -hmm. on, on little girls who don't often – see themselves on screen like that. Right. Whereas if you're dealing with history, it's exactly what, what you're talking about. I hadn't thought of that before, but it's the idea of, oh, this really inspired me. I want to go learn more about, the, oh, it's not real. 
Right. And there's no more to follow there. It would almost be better to show a character that's held back and and that doesn't get to do that thing because then the inspiration is still there from the event, but it's, oh, we live now. And now, you know, you can fight through and, and you can be this, this, or this. Right. I hadn't, I hadn't considered that before. It still doesn't make me care about the aeronauts. No, no, no. But I like what you're saying, Clint. <laughs> yeah. That they silence <laughs> was the death of the aeronauts on Cinebabble Podcast. I'm just trying to so, determine if, like, I've dug myself into a hole that no, I No, you have not. Okay. I, I would tell you if you were being offensive, Clint. I, I would, I'm pretty sure we're both Bill Skarsgård. <laughs> where we're just we like just our overly apo- no yeah. <laughs> not that part like the over apologizing and the recognition I love the scene sorry to go back to Barbarian I love the scene where he waits till she comes out of her room to pour the wine and open the wine yeah because he knows how weird that would be for her having never met him mm-hmm. it's like this like especially in retrospect it's really sweet little moment yeah. where he's trying to set fears that he knows she must have mm-hmm. uh, at ease. Oh, that was kind of cool. We're, we're we're like that, Clint. We're just trying to be good guys. Yeah, we're just trying to turn the duvet cover out, or right side <laughs> out, so... Yeah, never thought I'd see that in a movie. <laughs> anyway, so Barbarian... It was sweet, uh, Some people like it. Clint and I were not fans of the last 20, 30% of it, but it had a lot going for it before that, so it it's probably worth checking out. Barbarians was kind of a, a muddled mess of, of three different films or ideas. Didn't quite work for either of us. And the Aeronauts, uh, whatever the sound of shoulder shrug makes. Yeah. It just, it's a light uh, rustling of cloth. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's, let's see what Cinetron has for us uh, this next week. Okay. I got one for us that might be good. The Aeronauts 2? Yes. More Aeronautic. More Aeronauts. (laughs) That was really bad. Hyper Aeronauts. (laughs) Um, Going into the creepy season, I think this might be a good, like, stepping stone for us, like, to get ready to do a bunch of, like, horror-themed episodes. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this. This is from 1989. And it's a horror movie called The Church. The Church? Yeah. Ooh, no, I have not seen it. What's? Do you have a plot synopsis there? An old Gothic cathedral built over a mass grave develops strange powers and traps a number of people inside with ghosts from, the 20, uh, from a 20th century massacre. I'm in. Yeah. Um, all right, all right. Is it this... looks like big, dumb, like uh, practical effects fun. Okay, yeah. so kind of more Evil Dead- kind of tone maybe like all right look, 89 look at this monster oh okay i'm in yeah i'm in all right <laughs> it's got to be better than the aeronauts it's got to be yeah i'm i'm at least excited to watch this one so wait um, it says 
based on historical events. Oh, wow. There you go. So it is kind of like the Aeronauts. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I do have one more question uh, that Alex from Oklahoma sent in. Hey, guys. Love the show. Curious. How does Clint come up with his alt movies? Forgoing the thin, I swear it's real, has he ever done the sort of projects that showcase the talent his shorts tap into? Would have killed to see animated versions of each of his alt movie takes. Also, Ken, dot, 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 try harder next time. (laughs) I don't know if y'all are doing this on purpose, but you're really giving me a complex (laughs) because everybody gushes about Clint, and then every time I'm mentioned specifically, it's always just like... Buck up, kiddo. You'll you'll be good one day too. But doesn't, anyway, doesn't every comedy duo need a straight man so the jokes land a little harder? Oof, that's what you are. Oof, Clint. So anyway, uh, no more. I swear it's real. <laughs> um, have you ever done the sort of projects that showcase the talent that your shorts tap into? And yes, we both agree. We actually talked about this. Uh, I wish we had an animator. <laughs> I would have 100%. If anybody out them. there can animate. Oh, my goodness. I, I could probably do it if I felt like putting the time into it. But yeah. I I put all my energy in just those little clips. Honestly, so. even just the alien one. That's <laughs> the one I want to see animated. I want to see it in full. Anyway, uh, where where's this come from in your brain, Clint? I don't know, some broken spot, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, generally, I don't um, do things like this is probably the best example of that. I generally am just doing music and, you know, art, painting, whatever. But uh, I'm I'm just giving it to you straight on here with the, those kind of things. The world finds it delightful, Clint. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. I, I honestly do it just to get a laugh out of you. <laughs> So I think if I can get that, then maybe somebody else out there will enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had somebody uh, message and just ask if it was, if it was legit, if I'm hearing it for the first time or, or all of that. And I wrote back to him and I was just like, yep. uh, First time I'm hearing it is the first time he's saying it. (laughs) And even my, you know, oh, I read about that one. That one's this. That was complete coincidence. Oh man, that was like such perfect, like happy accident stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we couldn't have figured that out ahead of time. So, yeah, we try to do as much on the fly as possible. And uh, Clint gets me laughing pretty easily. So, oh, what was it? Oh, we were watching a trailer for Smile, which is this new horror movie. (laughs) And I don't even remember what you said, but you leaned over and said something to me in the middle of the Smile trailer, and I about died. I leaned over and said, what a twist. (laughs) That's what it was. Because there was some stupid twist in the thing. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, you can feel free to send us messages at cinebabblecast.com. That's our website. Uh, You just email contact at cinebabblecast.com or and much more. uh, You can you can get to us much more quickly and easily by messaging us at Instagram. It's at Cinebabble. And you can send us your messages. You can send us your questions, your feedbacks, your thinly veiled insults at me. (laughs) It's fine. Doesn't hurt my feelings. Um, But uh, as always, uh, subscribe to us and put us in your feed. And, you know, maybe throw a review on there. We haven't had a review in forever. And we got a bunch of people listening. So I'm like, where are my reviews? Come on. Just review Clint, actually, now that I think about it. No. Don't review me. Because, no, everybody likes you, Clint. They disagree with me. So The real fans like you the best. They just, like, they don't say anything. 
I hear you. Uh, so don't mention Thor Love and Thunder. I, I ask forgiveness on that one. But uh, give us a review and uh, help us to get to some more people. So anyway, uh, that wraps up episode 62. We will be back next time with episode 63, and we will probably have uh, even more spooky goodness for you It'll as we move all into horse October. And, yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I got a I got a couple of ideas of things Ooh. we should uh, watch. Okay. There's more I've been watching, but I specifically haven't talked about them because I thought this might be something that's fun to review. Okay. So we'll see I'm where in, it goes. I'm up for it for sure. All right. Well, you have yourself a good time, Clint. See you, Ken. All right. 